you have the ability of really defining what enablement means to your organization, but you have to be proactive, you have to be vocal, you have to build those relationships, work cross-functionally, really identify the needs of the business and work with the right people to navigate and facilitate change in a meaningful way that really helps your company achieve what they're ultimately trying to achieve. I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. Learning Culture Podcast. Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Learning Culture Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Barry, and joining me this week is Del Naki. Dell is the Senior Director of Global Revenue Enablement at MariaDB. She's a frequent speaker on the sales enablement circuit. And so it was fantastic to be able to sit down one-on-one with her to pick her brain on her background, her experience, and her philosophies for the strategies and tactics of the sales enablement profession. In this episode, you will learn how Dell has developed such a strong relationship with her CRO and what that process looked like when they first started working together. You will learn how one of the key skills for anybody in sales enablement is managing multiple priorities. You'll learn about the importance of coaching and specifically how Dell and the MariaDB team approaches this. You'll learn about some of the top priorities that someone in Dell's position has, the challenges she sees with those, and the solutions that she has in mind for solving them. You'll learn about her favorite change management framework and finally how she sees both the trees and the forest. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think there are so many great nuggets of wisdom in here. So please sit back, relax and enjoy my episode with Del Naki. Del, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. So first of all, congrats on the promotion that you just recently announced. Thank you so much. It's uh, definitely exciting for me. One of the things that really drives me is being able to have an impact. Mm -hmm. And what I love about um, my CRO, who I report into, is he's very supportive of me helping him address real business needs and expanding um, my role really allows me to do that, which is something I love to do. So I'm really excited about it. Thank you. Yeah. So, so what is the, um, you, I think you alluded to this in your post, but the sort of expansion of the role, it's a, a more global role now. Is that, is that part of the sort of increase in responsibility? It was always global. And in the beginning, uh, when I first started, it was really very much meant to support the entire revenue organization. I started as a team of one, however, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't always lend itself to being able to fully support the revenue organization. So um, what came up recently about uh, five months ago at this point was taking on the responsibility of our customer enablement team um, that was previously living within our customer success organization, which is a common mm-hmm. place for it to sit um, mm-hmm. if it doesn't sit under enablement. So that was the added responsibility. And now it's just expanding um, the role and influence. That's something that is really important to me and something I've communicated with my CRO about is for me to be able to have the kind of impact I'd like to have uh, to facilitate some of the changes that we really need to make as an organization to support the growth that we are anticipating, it requires a level of influence. And, and he's helped me um, to, to basically garner that in a way that allows me to have that um, visibility across the organization to mm-hmm. facilitate those changes. Wow, that's um, that's so interesting, and I feel like quite topical right now. So I want to I want to come back to what you mentioned there, kind of what that impact that you want to have. And I'm going to bookmark that and come back. But um, just on that um, support that your your CRO has to kind of give you that that um, visibility. Um, one of the things you know, we're seeing a lot of layoffs in in a lot of companies right now, and a lot of those layoffs are in the enablement function, um, which to me is is an absolute crying shame because, you know, 
we ask companies are asking people to do more with less and and the people best equipped to help people with that are those in enablement so it's um it feels like a real um missed opportunity but i'm curious you've obviously you've been given more responsibility and more visibility what is it that you think you've done well that that you'd recommend for others that has sort of because I, I, I feel like it's a connection to business results that people are really saying, you know, is needed here. So is there anything you can add to that as sort of what you think you've done well? Sure. Yeah. So I think with enablement, especially if you're just starting out at an organization and they've asked you to stand up a brand new enablement function, you have this opportunity to really define exactly what you do as a function. And I always try to focus on being very strategic with the needs of the business. I took about the first three months or so to really understand the needs across the board, talk to different revenue leaders. And of course, in addition to our CRO, to really understand the needs of the business and then started to develop a charter to really express exactly what we're going to be focusing on that lends itself well to some of the um, needs of the business, potential challenges of the business. So some of the most urgent challenges were what we addressed first. So obviously starting as a, uh, at a company that doesn't have an enablement program yet, um, even though there were some things in place just based on sales leaders filling in some of those gaps themselves, um, we were able to address that need as a first priority. So mm. uh, went through a process of really evaluating what that uh, onboarding program needed to entail, as well as including key stakeholders along the way to really make sure I'm going to meet the need once we have that finished product for onboarding. And to the point where our CRO was participating in these review sessions to really get the investment that we need uh, from a, a perspective of this function can really meet our biz business needs, right? Mm -hmm. um, another immediate need was around just content management. So we are a Google shop. We use Google for um, how we interact, how we create content and, and where we store our content. And that can easily become a black hole if you don't manage it well. And, and mm -hmm. we've been around as a company for a bit. So needing to address that uh, content management, making sure we have the latest content accessible, available um, to the field and making sure that it's easy to access as well was another need. So tying the effort to the most urgent needs in the beginning, mm. uh, while also really looking at the function as a strategic function to be able to um, structure it in a way that allows the, the full revenue organization to see that we do more than just training per se, right? Um, so mm. for me, a lot of it is around change management, especially um, organizational development. With growth comes the need to make some structural changes, process changes. Those are things that we are taking on in my team. So really being able mm. to offer more value. It's not just about metrics for me. So I look at metrics a little bit differently than some might. I would never yeah. claim ROI in terms of what we do because I'm not going to say our team actually caused that metric to change. There is some correlation. And of course, we're aligning to those KPIs that are really important to our CRO, to the company as a whole. But that's something that can be really dangerous if you try to associate directly what you're doing with the outcomes that everyone's looking to achieve. Um, so those were a couple of the ways. I will say I am really fortunate to have a CRO that is very much invested in enablement. He was from the beginning. He wanted to invest in building the team from the beginning. And that just continues. So that really helps me. And sometimes um, that may not exist in an organization that hasn't had that function before, hasn't seen and realized the true value of enablement. So I think mm -hmm. that can potentially be a challenge that I didn't have to overcome, fortunately. Uh, but those are some of the ways that we really tried to establish the team as a strategic mm -hmm. function. I love that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back through this as well. Understanding the needs of the business, you mentioned two important ones there, developing a charter, um, showing that you do more than just training and it's sort of the cha change management piece. And then the metrics, I'm going to definitely come back to a question on, on that because that is quite a unique view. A lot of people talk about ROI straight away. Um, but if you, if you had to sort of put on, if you had to embody your CRO, how would, is it a he or, or she? Is it, how would he describe um your role or like you know the, the functional role I, i'm I'm trying to get to like what 
a CRO sees, this is someone that sees it as value, right? And is invested in it from day one. So what is that? How do we just, how would you describe what value he sees? You know, when you're growing as an organization, there's also that maturity curve. We are on track to go public by way of a SPAC. And there are certain things that need to be in place when you're going public. And these needs didn't just come about overnight, right? There've been needs for some time that we want to address. So for example, one of the things that we're doing is trying to make our system of record, which for us is Salesforce, really user-friendly. We want to make sure we're maintaining the right data in Salesforce. And one of the initiatives that I took on recently was revamping our opportunity page layout. So we're capturing the right information, but also aligning it well to our sales methodology. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're actually taking that step before we roll out sales methodology. So I think things like that, where there's a true need that's been a pain point for some time that you're able to facilitate those changes. And Mm. what I love about enablement too, is it's very cross-functional, very collaborative. So I didn't do that obviously on my own. There were sales Mm. ops that was involved, Mm. sales leaders, marketing is obviously involved as well. So being able to solve business problems or challenges I think has been a great way for me to demonstrate to our CRO how I can add value and how my team can add value Um, because those are the types of things that um, can potentially be intangible. It's not necessarily like I need a program for this, but this is a true business need. That's a process issue that is a tool functionality issue that we need to address. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the ways that we really focus on highlighting the value we can add. And that sounds like something you did from day one to sort of understand what the business needs were for the revenue function and then and then sort of dive in there. Um, yeah, so I, I, I wonder how you balance that with, um, so I've had, um, so Paul Butterfield mentioned this term, I don't know if he coined it, um, it, where enablement functions can sometimes be called like the department of broken things. Right. Where it's just like, it, you know, so, so, and I think Siobhan Thatcher, who's also a guest on this kind of reiterated that point. So how do you balance what you said, which was like a very helpful, like we'll go in and we'll tackle these business challenges one by one um, with becoming that, you know, department of broken things. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually presented recently as at the sales enablement conference or summit and um, I had the whole audience raise their hand and say, I will not own the land of broken things because yeah. um, that is naturally a place that we can get to. Because the other thing is, as people, I feel like the persona of an enablement practitioner is someone who wants to help. So when you're like that, it's really also hard to say no when you get asked for help. Like, hey, a sales leader raises their hand and says, I need help with this. My team is struggling with it. Can you please put on a training session? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of things that I really consider. So when it comes to behavior change, a single point in time, one single training is never going to have that impact. So part of what I've done is really educate and inform our, our revenue leaders around what is it going to take for us to make some of these changes. So helping them really understand that We can't just snap our fingers, put out an enablement and Mm -hmm. expect that all these changes wonderfully, magically will happen because Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it. There's coaching, um, there's getting people to understand what's in it for them in the first place and want to make that change. So I actually enabled our, our leaders on our change management methodology that we use to help them understand exactly what it will take. Um, so I think that's definitely part of it. And When you're able to establish a charter, you can always take it back to the charter and back to the KPIs you've identified that as a team, you're trying to influence and help the revenue leaders really try to move the needle on. Mm. So that allows you to say, hey, this is not currently in our charter. I'm not sure if this is a priority based on what we've talked about previously, but, you know, you have key stakeholders. And if they say, hey, this is actually a priority, we really want to do this, then that allows you to reprioritize and say, okay, well, we have to deprioritize this for us to be able to do that based on our current capacity. Mm -hmm. Or the alternative is, hey, we need more resources to be able to focus on that. So I think that's part of it. The other part is 
how is this really going to benefit the company? Uh, you mm -hmm. have to really be able to evaluate, assess that and talk through it with your stakeholders to help them understand, is this the right place for us to really focus our time, energy and resources? Maybe it is, but just not right now. Um, or maybe it is a, a true high priority that we need to reconfigure the charter for that quarter potentially on um, or even longer if it's a longer initiative. Mm -hmm. So it's a very proactive approach, uh, very, um, I, the communication I feel like is important also making explicit the things you're doing and, and what value they're adding as well as, you know, so, so like underpinning the, the value of what you do. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to, I want to go back over a couple of these things, um, that you mentioned and then, um, and then I'll go back to what I was originally going to go back to. Um, but I, let's, let's dive into these metrics things. Cause I think this is a super interesting, almost counterintuitive take. So my understanding of it, that it, the way it has gotten the most sort of valuable is to be able to kind of do, um, cohort analysis where you can see like, all right, these are the people that have really you know, availed themselves of the enablement programs that we put in place. These are these haven't. So you've got these two groups and then you can kind of look at, at hard business metrics there of conversion rates and close rates, et cetera. And you can, you know, some have a little bit more correlation um, in that. So um, that's sort of, I would say, probably my most up-to-date thinking. You seem to have a, a, a different view on that. Yeah, so I don't necessarily think that metrics are not important. I think it's important for enablement functions to be mindful about how they are addressing those needs, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that um, we don't look at those metrics. We're absolutely looking at that. I talked to my CRO who's a whiz with Google Spreadsheets and has all these um, data points that he's constantly looking at. We are identifying those with him and trying to figure out where do we want to prioritize moving the needle. And we have already established our KPIs for this fiscal year, which started this month for us in October. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really being able to understand what is it going to take for that needle to be moved. And where I put more of my time, effort, focus with my team is then enabling the leaders to facilitate that change. And I really emphasize the importance of coaching. We do have a conversation intelligence tool. We did also recently roll out a coaching framework to give them some tools around how they can coach their teams. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, that sits with the revenue leaders and their direct team members to be able to uh, move the needle on those metrics, but it's mm. really important for us to be in, attuned to what is actually happening in our organization by way of data, by way of metrics, that we want to be able to facilitate those changes with the revenue leaders. And you brought up Siobhan. Mm. Um, her perspective is similar on that to mine, which is we have to make sure that we're navigating this with the leaders. Mm -hmm. And um, she expresses it as we're accountable to the leaders, right? We're not responsible for what they are trying to accomplish. And mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is the right perspective to have for mm -hmm. you to be able to um, provide value, but also not put yourself in a really potentially challenging situation where the revenue leaders are not doing their part to move the needle and your team is having to own that responsibility, which is just not realistic. Yeah, which is something you can't influence directly. Right. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, that's interesting. So does that mean you you emphasize more qualitative metrics than quantitative? Um, do you still have some quantitative metrics that you sort of measure your function on? Can you talk through that? Yeah, so we are definitely looking at more so, the funny part is more so quantitative metrics than qualitative metrics. Okay. We are also looking at that, but when you purely focus on that, like we enabled 100 people this month on this particular tool, that's not very meaningful. What kind of business impact is that really having mm -hmm. um, is what is going to be asked when you provide that kind of data to key stakeholders, right? So we are still looking at those KPIs we've identified for key ones for this year. Um, I won't get into the details of it, but that is something that we've aligned with our CRO on. We've aligned with our revenue leaders on, and they know these are the things that collectively we are trying to influence for the year. Mm. So it's not about not looking at metrics. It's purely about not associating your work directly with those metrics or taking direct responsibility for them. Yeah. If that okay. makes sense. Okay. So there's a, there's a sort of shared responsibility that, that's, that's, um, 
tying this together as it's saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what else is that? I'm trying to, I, I want to understand more that sort of, um, that really healthy relationship you have with the, the CRO and like what um, there's almost like a, 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 a it's almost like, um, so, so it, it, I, I think it's fair to say like not many revenue functions would, would, would sort of agree with that or like allow that sort of leeway almost in a way to say like, um, you know, yes, like we're going to, we, we will own those as a responsibility. You um, will, will be able to be accountable to helping it. Um, could you just like, like how, I think it's just unclear in my mind. It seems like this almost mystical, like, um, you know, connection that you've got there, which is, which is working so well for you. Like how, how would you, anything else you can add to sort of what that value is that, that connects the two functions? Yeah. And I think a couple things. So we are fairly early in our 10 years in enablement function within my current organization. So I've been with Maria DB about a year and a half now. And um, my CRO knows that those metrics are important to me, to my team, that we are focused on helping the organization as a whole move the needle there. Um, and I say that because it does take time to create that kind of change, right? Mm. So by this time next year, looking back at our fiscal year, it'll be important for us to see those metrics move. Mm. Will my CRO come to me and say, hey, Dell, your team didn't help move those metrics. You're not doing what I expected you to do. I don't think so. I think he understands that he has leaders and enablement working together to help our uh, revenue organization really be successful is what is going to have that kind of impact. Mm -hmm. So to your point, it's really about that shared responsibility. Yeah. And understanding that component that I think is the differentiator there. It's almost like the takeaway to me is um, for people out there is to sort of focus more on the relationship than on, you know, sort of trying to pinpoint certain metrics that you're going to be measured on. Because um, if you can if you can build a really strong relationship where you there's a value exchange going both ways, um, those those metrics become shared, like you said, and then no one has to kind of be the, the, the sort of one that's got the, the sword over their head um, for moving the needle. Yeah. And I think relationships are definitely important and building that understanding is really important. We don't have a change management function in our organization. We're way too small to do that. And some organizations might, but if you think about it for a smaller startup organization, that doesn't have that kind of function, when the business does need to make strategic changes, who is going to help facilitate that? I think enablement is really poised um, in the best position to be able to do that because they understand all the different nuances. They're able to facilitate training that's needed. They're able to facilitate changes to process, to um, bringing on new tools to address different needs. So I think that's an important component too. It's not purely just relationships. It's mm -hmm. making the changes that will help the company get to where it wants to be to move the, the needle on those key yeah. metrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the relationship is the foundation for being able to do those things, yeah. Um, okay, so changing tack a little bit, you um, are in a, a newly expanded role. Um, you have you have a broader responsibility now. What are your sort of top goals or priorities looking forward? Yeah, so one of the things that we are trying to do is really look at um, how we can add more value to our customers and support them to be successful by way of account plans. Um, understanding exactly where the white space is with our customers and making sure that our reps understand how to navigate those conversations, expand the number of business units they're engaging with, the different contacts at the organization. So one of our strategic initiatives for this year is really implementing account planning in a more formalized way. Um, so some of the things that I've done is identify exactly what do we think an account plan should entail. We started with that, then we identified a tool that we can use within our um, Salesforce instance that allows us to actually manage that information, system of record, capturing data and information this year in particular is really important. And um, leveraging that to really then launch into the skills that are needed to support that kind of execution to 
uh, support our customers to expand that value that we provide to them. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the key things that we're really focusing on this year. I'm trying to think through all the different things that we're doing. That's definitely a priority. I think sales methodology is definitely another Mm -hmm. high priority for us. And that's the kind of thing that it's not enough to just do it for the sales organization. I think having that common language across the revenue organization, if not the broader company as a whole, is really important for that to be a framework that allows them to sell in a consistent way um, and allows for that repeatable success that helps growing companies scale at the pace they need to when they really start um, putting the the pedal to the metal, so to speak, and, yeah. and going uh, faster in terms of growth. Yeah. Hey, it's your host, Andrew here. I wanted to take a second just to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you did a couple of things for us. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It really allows us to grow the channel and reach a lot more people like you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to give us some feedback and to tell the world what you think about this podcast. So whether you listen to it on YouTube or you're listening to it as a podcast, if you take one of those actions, it would mean the world to me and my team. Thank you. And with that, right back to the show. Um, I'm sure if I pressed you further, you'd, you'd be able to list even more. Like, how, how do you keep, <laughs> how, how, how do you manage this? Like, you have so many priorities you mentioned i mean I, i'm assuming till recently you were a, a, a function of one um you know so it's slowly expanding there but yeah how, how do you manage these multiple uh, priorities that you have yeah i think one of the key qualities for any enablement practitioner that's really important is being able to multitask now i do realize that people say multitasking is a myth it's a bad um, word. i don't yeah. necessarily mean <laughs> I mean, like hour by hour, you're changing what you're doing. But when you're trying to lift an organization, when you're trying to help it mature as a company um, on the path that they're on to grow, it's important to elevate multiple things across the organization simultaneously. So to do just one single project at a time just won't help facilitate what's needed quickly enough. So it's important for us to be able to multitask in that way. And we really rely on subject matter experts at our company to um, develop some of the content that we need, to develop some of the programs that we need, to facilitate some of the changes we've talked about. So it's not purely just enablement doing the work. It is very, again, very much cross-functional um, in in terms of the nature of the work that we do. So I think from that perspective, that is uh, pretty critical. And also being very transparent about what you need in terms of resources, whether it's capacity and headcount, whether it's another tool. As we built out our charter for this year, we made it very explicit for each uh, initiative, each project that we're taking on, if it does require additional skill sets or headcount just in terms of capacity, we did indicate that on our charter. So we are mindful not to uh, overwhelm ourselves to the point where we have people burning out. Um, we are constantly juggling a lot, though. I think that's a common theme mm. across every enablement team I've ever come across is just you have to be able to to juggle all of those different responsibilities, but yeah. understanding when it doesn't make sense in terms of a priority at that moment, or just it doesn't make sense for enablement to take on that responsibility. Maybe another team can help with that particular need. Um, so I think that absolutely helps is really being transparent with what it will take to accomplish what you've established with your stakeholders that are priorities for the year. Yeah, yeah that seems like a, a key skill for anybody in this role. Um, what are some of the, you mentioned your two, the two goals that, you know, priorities that came to mind, what are some of the challenges you foresee in, in being able to execute well on those? I think it's not even on my team where I think the challenge is. So one thing we had our, we're in the process actually of our sales kickoff. So we're doing it virtually this year. We had an enablement update last week and I started that update with the revenue organization addressing the fact that, 
you know, our CRO mentioned to them in his kickoff that enablement is going to be really busy, but mm-hmm. that also means that the revenue organization is going to be really busy and we have a lot of change coming their way. So it's an art and science in terms of managing that change with people and helping them take the steps that's needed for them to really accomplish what we're after with those different initiatives. And we may not always get it right, right? So Mm. there is uh, change fatigue. The struggle is real. It it does take a lot to make changes, especially if we're dealing with really veteran salespeople, which we have several of on the team. So we, we are mindful of that. I think that's probably where the biggest challenge will lie is their capacity for change, for uh, app, actually applying that change and also with the revenue leaders being able to coach to that change and holding their teams accountable to it as well. So if we roll something out, if we roll out sales methodology and that that's the end of it, it's definitely not going to be successful, right. but we need everyone to be willing to take on those changes. And that's where change management becomes really important is helping the leaders have those necessary conversations with their team around hey, this is coming your way. This is why it's important. Here's what's in it for you. How are you going to take on this challenge? What questions do you have? What fears do you have that we can address and make sure that we are able to kind of overcome together? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to be a perfect ride. And some of the things you might challenge uh, might challenge you and you may not be comfortable with, but we do need you to take on uh, some of the changes that we are rolling out for the good of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is really helpful, but I, I see that as being our biggest challenge because we are in this growth uh, stage. We are in this maturity stage mm-hmm. or curve um, as a company and, yeah. and the team as a whole collectively moving the needle is going to be where the biggest challenge is. So, so I want to, I want to drill into that because this part, this is, this is kind of where we specialize is, is at Curious Line as well. Like is um, what is in your, what in your mind, what does an ideal scenario look like around that? Cause, cause you mentioned stuff about bringing people together, getting them to talk about each other. You also kind of touched around the motivational aspects of it, like motivating why people should change. Um, but yeah, like what, if you had to sort of wave a magic wand and like, what would be your ideal scenario there or solution there? In terms of actually being able to Do facilitate. The cha- yeah, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. behavior change. Yeah. I think the the heart of it lies at coaching as a revenue leader. Mm. I think that when it comes to behavior change in particular, if it's a different kind of change, a process change, they still have to reinforce that and hold their teams accountable. But when it comes to positioning, when it comes to sales methodology, that's more in the behavior side of like doing something completely different potentially than what they're used to doing. Mm-hmm. Having that regular attention on this change that um, is actually coming up and coming their way and being able to navigate that I think is really important. So we start with communication. So making sure that the um, communication starts in this in this format, I think starting top down with the uh, CRO really addressing the need for that change, mm-hmm. the whys behind it is really key. Then having the leaders further reinforce it, talk to their team members, really be open about it, help them understand the impact on them, why it's beneficial for them to try to make this change. Um, Then getting into the actual initial enablement of informing them, educating them, help them build that knowledge. Um, Then you need the reinforcement. So you focus on building that skill. That's where the coaching becomes really, really key. But -hmm. reinforcing that skill, maybe there's follow-up enablement depending on the size of the initiative that you're rolling out. Um, and then holding people accountable and also celebrating successes becomes really valuable. If, if a peer sees another peer doing really well because they've implemented a change, that goes a lot further than their manager asking them to make a change, enablement asking them to make a change. And even the CRO, which our revenue organization is, is very apt to listen to, mm-hmm. I think that peer learning becomes really valuable and mm-hmm. That allows there to be ongoing focus on the change that's needed to accomplish the the ultimate goal that we're after with that initiative. I love it. Like you basically just wrote like the Curious Line textbook here. That that was <laughs> that was awesome. Um, so many so many great points here. I, I want to kind of summarize this for 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 listeners as well. Um, you you start talked about communication starting from the top down so kind of like modeling the behavior that you want to see and, and having that come from right from the top of what um 
what this change is, why this change is important. Um, cascading that reinforce that down through leaders, so they're reinforcing that message. Um, and then there's sort of this is the part we call this like um, this is the the learning intervention or the learning experience. You you talk about informing and educating the workforce. I think that's such a really helpful action orientation around what that that needs to be. Then there's reinforcement through coaching. I'm going to come back to that because you've mentioned coaching a few times now. Um, holding people accountable, celebrating success, which is a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Patek, always talks about. Um, and then I love, I just love, love, love this ongoing peer-to-peer learning that that kind of like sustains that, right? That that initial thing and sort of and 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 I feel would would you agree? Like it, it becomes almost organic in that way because now if you've got if you've done those first things right, then people are teaching each other. It's kind of like it's happening without you needing to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that is where it becomes um, almost institutionalized within the culture of the organization. And, you know, speaking to the point about coaching, I think developing a coaching culture within an organization and really institutionalizing some sort of change management framework really lends itself to the behavior change that we try to facilitate with the initiatives that we take on. Mm. Do you have a favorite change management framework? Um, I actually adopted ADCAR and part of the reason for that is when I was working with my previous team at my last company around, you know, change is not easy. Um, We're humans and we get comfortable. There's a status quo bias. There are all these factors that make us more comfortable where we are as opposed to making changes. So how do we help people with those changes? We were having some of the conversations that aligned really well with the ADCAR framework, and I'm not a sponsor of of their framework, Mm -hmm. but I found it to just be really intuitive, easy to follow, easy to explain, because one thing I've mentioned to my peers is if you are going to implement a change management methodology don't keep it to just your team. You have to inform, educate, not only your revenue leaders, but ideally the organization as a whole, especially with the HR department, unless you already have a change management department on what that entails. And that allows you to all collectively speak the same language when it comes to really large initiatives that the company is taking on to make sure that they're taking care of their people and their people feel heard and taken care of. Because a lot of change, having a revolving door of different changes can really impact retention. Employee Mm -hmm. retention is really, really important, especially right now. Um, So I think that that is really key. Yeah, that's love that. I'm glad I asked you that actually. Um, So let's talk about coaching a little bit more. Um, Whose responsibility is coaching? First and foremost, it is the frontline manager's responsibility. So the revenue leaders um, really being able to have those types of conversations and not that have that be, hey, just a single point in time. Mm. Um, you want to be mindful about how you coach people. And one of the things that I get into um, with Will on my team, who has background in organizational development, Um, is also around how people respond to feedback. Feedback in general is very, very challenging, right? We naturally get into this fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. and it can really shut us down from receiving that feedback. So one of the things that we address with the framework we've implemented is how to navigate that conversation in a way that sets that person up on the receiving end of the feedback for success. And partly also we're dealing with adults, right? Mm -hmm. So for the most part, even as kids, we don't like being told what to do, but um, as adults in a way more so than that. So what I found with coaching that I've personally done is people usually know where they have the opportunity for growth and they can identify that. And they might even have ideas around how they can fix what they're currently doing, giving them that opportunity to start with their thoughts, their ideas around what they could be doing differently, if anything, really creates a better environment for that person to be successful. Mm. Uh, we also provide guidance around, hey, focus on about the mid 60% or so of your performers, um, your top performers, if they're doing it and they're doing it well, even if it doesn't align with the broader organizational approach, um, you may not want to mess with that. You still want to invest time and energy into them. They, they want to feel appreciated too. Right. Um, but I think in terms of coaching, that middle 60%, really being able to elevate their work and support them to do that mm. is key. So ultimately, I do think it is the responsibility 
responsibility of the, the leaders to be able to do that. Um, but it is also the responsibility of the enablement team to set them up for success. So I mentioned sales methodology. One of the things that I'm going to be doing this year is when I roll that out, I'm going to have a corresponding coaching guide for the managers to have like a theme of the week over a period of time mm. where they can bring this conversation into their one-on-ones, into their team meetings, and continue to coach um, and support their team to make these changes. So it's not just, hey, go off and do this and we'll do our own thing. It's how do we collaborate and do this together? Mm. Um, we support more than we actually coach. There is a slight caveat to that, though. So there is a newer role in enablement around sales execution, right? Mm-hmm. And usually it's a very tenured sales rep that takes on that responsibility, ideally with a ton of experience in that industry. And they come in to really be able to um, scale what they identify as the right way of selling or the most effective, efficient way of selling that removes obstacles from the sales cycle, gives our customers the best experience possible. Those roles typically do take on more coaching. And I'm actually taking on some coaching responsibility right now myself, partly to um, just understand what's going on, have an ear to the ground, so to speak, and really be able to see how these changes are coming to life. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll always probably have some sort of role in coaching, but we don't take on the primary responsibility of it. So we're more of a support function from that perspective, but anything we can do to scale what we do identify that's working Mm. is really, really valuable to the organization Mm. as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. I think um, it's something that comes up in almost every conversation I have these days around how important coaching is. Um, So let me, um, let me change direction a little bit here. So it's a question that I ask um, on every episode is around learning culture. So, you know, this is the learning culture podcast. This is the, the, the term that I've adopted over this past year to kind of describe what we, what we do. What does learning culture mean to you? That's a really good question. I think that it is Having a growth mindset as an organization and knowing there's always more that we could do, learn, do better, do differently. I think it's sometimes challenging, especially for a really tenured uh, revenue and not enablement person, but revenue or say an individual contributor to Mm -hmm. be willing to make changes if they feel like what they're doing is working. But working with the revenue leaders to create that kind of mindset across the organization of We're not saying you're doing things horribly. We're not trying to necessarily fix a bunch of problems with the changes that we're making, but we can do things better. We can Mm -hmm. do things differently. So let's do this together and let's make sure that we are open to that change. Mm -hmm. I think it takes actually having those open conversations around, hey, there's more we can do here. There's more we can do in terms of how we're leading discovery and we can potentially identify a broader solution set for our customers that really truly meets their business needs and helps them make a business uh, case when they're going to get budget for that particular project that you're facilitating with them. Um, So I think being able to have a mutual understanding across the organization um, that learning is a good thing. It is important to growth development. It is really important to the success of any organization. And we recently... um, in our previous fiscal year had rolled out discovery enablement. And I love the reception that we got to that. I had reps actually pinging me and saying, Hey, this is great. I'd love to do this more often, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. And that speaks to the culture that they've already created and that we've been able to really um, expand on uh, with the organization. So Mm -hmm. that's how I would define it. Yeah. I love that. I think um, that's, that's the dream you've got people kind of craving more, training and ways to develop their skills. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And it's not always the case. And there's always, you know, a few people that are very much comfortable where they are and and they may be a little bit more resistant. And I think it's important to be aware of that, both in terms of the enablement team and the revenue leader that's supporting that direct person. Um, Because when there are naysayers um, Mm. within the context of a really important change, they can potentially derail things. So you do want to be mindful of that. You want to make sure that you address that with them directly Mm. and and navigate that because it'll be important for the culture overall. 
Have you had any success uh, getting those naysayers on board? Anything that you've done in the past that's kind of worked that sort of turned someone around? I think it goes back to adults and how adults learn, right? So I think it's being willing to listen for one, really understand the other person's perspective, mm. um, seek first to understand, then to be understood, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So seven habits of highly effective people. But I think that really being able to allow them to share their perspective if they have uh, a potential different perspective on what it will take to make that change or don't agree with whatever it is that you're rolling out. What I try to do that I found to be useful too is actually in, involve them in the process. They have mm. a perspective for a reason. So um, some of our like sales engineers are very, very tenured and they really understand our product well. They understand the needs of the customer really well. So we want their perspective when mm. we're developing programs and content um, and trying to figure out what the right changes to make to facilitate achieving a particular goal. So in, involving them in the process also helps. Mm. Um, and having open lines of communication with that particular type of person is, is really important as well because then they can give you direct feedback and say, mm. hey, I don't like this about it, or I think we should change this. Um, that allows them to take ownership. And then you're naturally building in a champion and getting mm. that buy-in from the outset too. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I I had a, so, so this, this next question was inspired by your LinkedIn profile. And it's something that's been a burning question for me now, ever since I read your profile. And that is, how do you see the forest and the trees. And what do you mean by that? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I think it is, there is such detailed work to be done when it comes to organizational development change, which I think enablement is a critical function to facilitate that you have to be very, very detailed with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I say that too, because when you're navigating a change, you can't just look at one single part of how things are working. You have to look at the process, the tools, communication, culture, people, all of these different factors do come into play. Mm -hmm. And that's not even including like training or typical uh, perspective on what enablement does. Mm -hmm. So I think that is essential for us to set the revenue organization up for success as being really detailed. At the same time, scaling back, it kind of takes us back to the metrics conversation, right? So what is it that the company is trying to accomplish? What is our business strategy? Where are we trying to get to in two, three, five years? How will this actually help us get to that point? Does it make sense for us to focus on that right now? Or is this something that we should potentially delay or not even pursue? So having both of those perspectives and abilities is really, I think, what it takes to successfully enable an organization. Mm. Um, so that's what I mean by it. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, like strategic and tactical uh, approach right. to to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, exactly. It's, it's a compelling tagline. I I, I do like it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and also just realize that how how long much time has passed in this conversation. I have um, so many more things that I want to talk to you about. So um, Same. we may. I know. So we will, <laughs> we will have multiple of these. I. Um, yes. I I yeah. I, I'm always I always get close to the to the end of this time. So. Um, I'm going to go to my last question for this first conversation that we have. And that is, um, I want to know more about why you do what you do. That's a really good question. Um, for me, it's always been, I've had a desire to help people. So I studied sociology in co college and actually went into social work and worked in nonprofits and uh, really found that it was challenging to have the kind of impact that I wanted to have. I think with nonprofit organizations, there's so much more red tape um, than, than for-profit companies. And when I made that transition where I was still in educating people, in enabling people, but also focused on helping a business grow, that's where I found um, you know, the most fulfillment professionally is being able to help businesses grow while also helping people thrive is how I put it. Mm. Um, so having that kind of impact is really what drives me. Some people are driven like purely by money. Some people are driven by growth, status, title, whatever that is. 
for me, it's, it's being able to have that impact. And of course, the other factors are important too, but I think being able to know that the work that I'm doing with my team is really critical to the company, their strategy, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, that is what keeps me going and, and makes me get up and, and do what I do. And we do juggle quite a bit, as we talked about earlier. So you do need your own intrinsic motivation to be mm-hmm. willing and able to do all that. Um, and that's where mine comes from. Mm. We are somewhat kindred spirits, though, because I, awesome. yeah, I love that. Um, to me, it's fun in that you, our, yeah. our work is about making, helping people in, you know, reach their potential, which is the most rewarding thing to do. And then the fact yeah. that that also drives business results, that's kind of the fun, like game part of it. Like when right. you can, when you can, you know, do that in the service of um, a business result, it's, it's pretty cool so thank you for for that answer yeah i actually made an analogy because i was um following up to the announcement email that went out internally about my promotion and Mm -hmm. i said um giving me expanded responsibility being able to have more of an impact is the equivalent of giving catnip to a cat because i get (laughs) super excited about that Um, because it is really exciting right you're able to actually have a meaningful change and um i love it so Yeah. yeah That's awesome. So Maria DB employees, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Dell uh, as, as that role expands. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance for, for closing words. We've come to the, the end of um, our time together here, but um, yeah, I, I, um, you know, I guess usually like share, um, well, for, okay, let me just ask it as a question. So if folks want to find out more about you and connect with you, What's the best way to do that? And then do you have any sort of parting words or anything that you wanted to share with people that may be listening? Yeah. So best way to get a hold of me is via LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out, connect, um, send me a message if you do want to talk further about anything I've talked about, anything on my profile or that you're seeing me do. I'm happy to connect. I really believe in mentoring, elevating our community right now is, is a great place to be because we're all at this like really critical inflection point is how I feel about it around being able to take what potentially could uh, be seen as a tactical function and really make it strategic. Um, So in terms of parting words, I think that's really what it comes down to is you have the ability of really defining what enablement means to your organization, Um, but you have to be proactive, you have to be vocal, you have to build those relationships, work cross-functionally, really identify the needs of the business and work with the right people to navigate and facilitate change in a meaningful way that really helps your company achieve what they're ultimately trying to achieve. Couldn't have said it better. I love that. Del, thank you so (laughs) much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great to be on with you, Andrew. Hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listen. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing from our loyal listeners if you're listening to this on spotify please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out see you next week for another episode of the learning culture podcast thank you for listening